Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord. And others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message to listen to the latest stories and to leave a comment. Hello, Doctor. Good morning, Seb. How you doing? Well, you know, every week on the program, you always have somebody that's listening in uh, some far-off spot of the country or the world, and they offer different suggestions for stories and everything. Do you have any of that this morning? Um, I do have a cousin down in Utah, Renee. She listens quite often. And uh, Hello, Renee. Hello, Renee. So, yeah, but that's about it for this week. Oh, my. Yeah. Some of the suggestions that we do get on occasion, in regard both of us leaving. <laughs> well, okay. that's true, but we're hanging in there. <laughs> that's true, yeah. What are we going to talk about this morning? Okay, Zeb, if I say the gunfight at the OK Corral, give me some names. Is there a name that comes right to the top? Uh, I guess uh, initially it would be Wyatt Earp and his brothers, and it would okay. be the Clantons, and it would be Ike Clanton, for instance. Okay. And also, also one that is overlooked, and that's Doc Holliday. Yep. Okay, well, you hit the nail on the head, Wyatt Earp. Yeah. So that's who we're going to talk about. Now, uh, I'm going to show you a picture of Wyatt Earp in his later years. Now, you take a look at this picture. Does oh, my. Does he look like kind of a... Uh, he looks very dignified. And sh- maybe shrewd, maybe kind of uh, no-nonsense kind of guy. Well, he was that. He was, and we're going to talk about okay, that. Okay, go ahead. So, uh, What cor- about his brothers? Did you ever get a family photo of them? I don't know that I've ever seen one. I've got one someplace. I'll dig that out. Well, Wyatt Earp, you know, has been the controversial subject of various books and articles for years. And biographers and other writers have described at length his early years as a lawman in Dodge City, Kansas. And, of course, the famous gunfight uh, near the O.K. Corral in Tombstone, Arizona Territory. And that was in 1881. Although noted as in many of the Earp books, his years in San Diego, California, in the 1880s, did not get very much attention. Did you know that he was in San Diego? Well, he went, didn't he, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he go from Tombstone to San Diego? I'm not sure if he went 
from Tombstone, but that could be correct. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about that. So Earp and his wife, Josephine, and whom he called Sadie, arrived now in... Now, that was his second wife, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, they arrived somewhere between about 1885, 1887, and the gunfight was 1881, so, right. you know, a few years later. Right. But the exact date is open to debate. However, Earp's biography, biographer, Stuart Lake, said that the former deputy U.S. Marshal came to San Diego about 1886. And here's what uh, he said, Herb said, he said, We made friends in San Diego who remained to us for years afterwards, but only a few are living today. Wyatt's wife later recalled, quote, One of these, Miss Eliza Burns, I still visit occasionally. It was in the home of her mother that we had our first living quarters in the city. Hmm. So that's where they first lived when they got there. Okay. Now, this house allegedly stood next to a Wells Fargo and Company office, and it's believed by some that Earp worked for years as a Wells Fargo undercover agent, and it is known that, like his brother Morgan, he served as a Wells Fargo armed guard after his arrival in Tombstone in 1879. Hmm. Now, there's little evidence to explain why the Earps chose to go to San Diego uh, when they did. Nonetheless, it's probable that Wyatt changed his residence because his brother Virgil and Virgil's wife Alvira were living in San Diego, and they probably encouraged Wyatt to join them. Now, Virgil had a job. He was director of something called the Old Silvergate Athletic Club, and Wyatt had always liked San Diego, and when he said when we went there to visit uh, Virgil and his wife, we decided to locate there, and that's what his wife Josephine well, said. Well, what brother was killed in Tombstone? Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, let's see. Uh, got it here. You've got it. Well, you're doing. I'll tell you well, what. I'll just, look at that later. I tell you what. Let me do a quick commercial for Burley Vet, okay. and you look that up. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we're very honored to have Dr. Scott Morley and his entire staff at Burley Veterinary Hospital sponsor this segment with Doctor History. And I'll tell you what, they really care about your animals, large animals, small animals. I uh, suggest that you go in there today or give them a call, make an appointment. Absolutely, they have uh, ambulatory services for larger animal services and they offer aftercare for all emergencies they are and they specify this they are your family veterinarian and they treat your animals great and small take care of your animals take them in to burley veterinary hospital 2869 overland 6785509 did you notice i bit my tongue again during the middle of that commercial that's twice in one day you know maybe you'll get this some days okay so uh, Virgil was shot. This was after the the gunfight. Virgil was shot and seriously wounded, but he lived. But the following March, Morgan was killed. That's it. Morgan. Uh, Morgan. A name yeah. gun. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. So anyway, uh, you know, as much as he cared for his older brother, Virgil, why would Wyatt Earp, without doubt, a man of action, elect to go to this kind of sleepy oceanside border town? And in 1885, San Diego was kind of w- wake, woken up from its uh, just quiet. Now you're having the same trouble I had. <laughs> yeah. It woke up. It waked up. 
<laughs> by the arrival of the California trains. And then it became um, a city, you know, it had a really good climate. Wyatt received news of the beginning of the land boom and decided to cash in on the speculation in real estate, which saw property values rise dramatically by, as the population increased. Right then, it was about 5,000 people in 1885, and in three, two years, rose to 40,000 people in wow. San Diego. Wouldn't you like to have owned a lot oh, of property gosh. there? You know, and it is a nice place. We used to go down there every winter yeah. to visit my in-laws. Yeah. And, uh, very good climate, yeah. you know. But Wyatt was kind of an opportunist, and he invested heavily in prime real estate, buying property in what they call the Hillcrest section of the city. And Earp's property uh, on a place called Washington University, he had a place uh, downtown was 150 by 150 feet that he had enclosed with a five-foot fence. Uh, in downtown San Diego, Wyatt owned a lot of the uh, at the corner of Beach and Union Streets, and people that are familiar with that would know better than I. Did you ever ask yourself, as a historian, where he got all the money for investments? That's he a, sure didn't make it off of being a sheriff. No, uh, that's a good question. M- m- probably borrowed from banks. Uh huh. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so that lot that he got uh, was part of a block where the U.S. Grant Hotel, built in 1910 by Ulysses S. Grant Jr., to honor his father, is now located. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Now, in addition, Wyatt either owned or more likely leased at least three saloons and gambling halls wow. in San Diego. And these properties include one called the Oyster Bar and another one called the Gambling Hall. And it's said that the bar was one of the better known and frequented saloon gambling halls in the city. And it may have been partly his name. you know. I see. So, but historically known as a man who engaged in the business of gambling, it's not surprising that Wyatt reportedly ran the highest stakes faro game at a gambling hall in the whole town. Wow. Now, another popular place of business in which he had an interest was a saloon across from a place called the Horton Plaza, which is right downtown San Diego, right next to the to the ocean there. Besides buying and selling urban real estate and operating gambling halls, Wyatt owned racehorses, including a string of harness horses, and he also refereed boxing matches during his stay in San Diego. In 1890, he reportedly worked as a referee in a fight between a guy named Billy Graham of San Francisco and Jack Sullivan of Oceanside. Oh, my. Now, I, uh, I hadn't heard of those guys. But I have. have Jack Sullivan, sure. Oh, yeah. So later, Earp would referee the controversial bout at San Francisco's Mechanics Pavilion between the legendary heavyweight Bob Fitzsimmons and Tom Sharkey, and that was in 1896. Now, during this confrontation, Wyatt was arrested for carrying a concealed weapon into the ring and was accused of rendering a flagrantly unfair decision in favor of Sharkey. Really? So you can bet who he was 
Uh, yeah, he had his money on Sharky. Yeah. Yeah. But when not officiating at boxing matches or overseeing his gambling operations, Herb developed a local reputation as a person who allegedly was kind to animals and children. <clears throat> There was an 88-year-old boy, uh, his name was Clarence Rand, recalled an occasion when Wyatt dined at his mother's boarding house and allowed this young boy to handle his impressive weapons after the cartridges had been removed. Uh-oh. Rand later said, quote, thought that was something great to be holding one of those big six guns. Can you imagine? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, this legend. But Earp lived in San Diego when the wild and infamous Stingery district of the city was chock full of alcohol, gambling, opium use, and in fact, the district resembled in many ways the more widely known area in San Francisco called the Barbary Coast. Oh, yeah. During the late 19th century. So, in fact, one uh, police officer said, quote, the notorious gunmen, the Earp brothers, Virgil and Wyatt of Tombstone, Arizona fame, were probably most prominent among the gambling fraternity. How old were he and Virgil when they were in California? Well, he lived quite a few years after this. So I, I don't know, but I'm going to say maybe 60s. Well, I was going to say 50s. Yeah, 60s, yeah. yeah. But the Earp brothers played a significant role in promoting such sports as boxing matches and every form of gambling, and even in, down in Tijuana, Mexico. Uh, in fact, they, they, he refereed a boxing event in 1888 uh, in Tijuana, billed as the, quote, the great 100-round boxing match. However, the, the contest only lasted about six rounds, before somebody got knocked out. <laughs> so, well, we, 94 it, rounds less. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably some disappointed uh, people watching. Yeah. But it said that Wyatt refereed at least 30 fights in the San Diego, Tijuana area and earned a pretty good reputation as an official. Yeah. Now, the San Diego real estate boom had begun to collapse in the spring of 1888. Credit tightened and numbers of land speculators had to offer their holdings for sale to pay off creditors. Their desperate need to sell forced prices down and land values just went down through the bottom uh, because they'd been artificially inflated by right. speculation, you know. But the sudden boost followed the great boom caused by caused 10,000 people to leave town in just a few months in 1888. So here you've got San Diego. You've got houses that were empty all over San Diego. Uh, public and private improvement works were stopped. Uh, unemployment became a severe problem. And as credit and jobs vanished, some of the businessmen and remaining residents tried to salvage they, what they could by actually starting fire to their businesses in hope of collecting insurance. The insurance money. Right. Oh, my. But that came to a halt when they started arresting people for this. Yeah. So remember, I said that it got up to 40,000 people. By 1890, they were down to 16,000. So, you know. So San Diego was never a, a city that always was appreciating. It had its devaluation right. for yeah, a while, it, too. It started low, went I high. And then yeah. came back down, but it's by so eighteen by eighteen ninety six, Wyatt uh, had gradually sold most of his local properties and investments, but he had not been able to lo- locate everything he owned. In fact, he had some property that he owned, and he gave this to a widow, uh, just because of the goodness of his heart. 
Really? Just gave this to, yeah. But uh, he did prosper. He actually made a lot of money with his saloons and his gambling halls uh, when things were really going well. So he left virtually the law enforcement end of it when he left Tombstone. Yeah. But like I say, he he did very well financially during those years. Now, according to some sources, Wyatt first acquired trotting horses while in San Diego. And his acquisitions constitute the beginning of a period of 10 years during which he and Josephine traveled the Western racehorse circuit with a small stable of horses. Earp's wife proclaimed that both she and Wyatt fell in love with the so-called, quote, sport of kings. Trotters. Wasn't she a opera singer? I don't know that. I, I think she was. His second wife, I believe, was a either a touring theater singer or opera singer. Could have been. I, yeah. And I, I don't know that. But, but in San Diego, Wyatt began his racing career at the place called the former Turf Club in Pacific Beach. And before taking his horses to tracks in Los Angeles, San Francisco, he raced at Tijuana and Escondido. And occasionally, Herb drove his own sulky. These really? rubber-tired little... Yeah, the sulky racers. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And he actually won a race. So uh, that looks like kind of a dangerous sport. Uh, you know. Well, have you ever ridden a sulky? I have not. I have, uh, years ago, years ago. And let's just say that you're looking right into the south end of a northbound <laughs> horse, horse, and it's not a pleasant trip. Okay. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Now, it's not known precisely when Wyatt and Josephine left San Diego. Uh, He remained in the city until about 1888, as long as the money was rolling in. And at the same time, Earp continued to own property in San Diego well into the mid-1890s. On February 1st, 1894, the San Diego Union reported that Wyatt was sued for non-payment of a promissory note, although he maintained business interests in San Diego. By 1891, he was actually, he'd moved up and was living actually up in San Francisco by now. But while Wyatt traveled extensively up and down the Pacific coast from San Francisco to Seattle with his racing horse interests and work actually as a bodyguard and boxing referee, he did not abruptly sever his ties with San Diego. In 1908, you know, years later, he and others actually filed a case in the Superior Court against the city of San Diego. The suit uh, asserted that land belonging to Earp and other people was wrongfully sold for taxes. So he still had property clear down there. Mm. Now, as late as 1923... He's got to be up in his 80s or 90s. I'm thinking he's got to be. Well, actually, it does. In 1923, six years before his death in Los Angeles at age 80, so he lived to be 86. Yeah. Uh, on January 13, 1929, Earp visited Coronado on San Diego Bay. Now, you've been down there, yep. San Diego. Yep. And on Coronado's Long Beach, known as the Silver Strand, a popular tent city had developed for vacationers who couldn't afford rooms in this, you know, that beautiful white wooden hotel called mm-hmm. the Hotel mm-hmm. Del Coronado. That You're is right. an amazing place just to walk through. And that had been built in 1888. But Wyatt apparently strolled the Silver Strand plan cards with anybody he could find and allegedly whenever a overly aggressive or frustrated gambler became a bit of a nuisance or a threat Earp would personally intervene and restore order with his aging but still agile fists or perhaps by the impact of his notorious 
but not yet legendary reputation. I see. So he was still commanded respect. You know, the guy is amazing because, number one, I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that through all the so-called gunfights and all the, uh, the bullets that were fired at him, he was never hit. Never hit. No. Never hit. No. Uh-uh. Now, considering the fact that White Earp's San Diego years are mentioned only briefly in some of these biographies, it's important to note that Earp resided and conducted business in the city and its outlying area from 1886 until about 1890. Yeah. So his impact on San Diego was not equal to his reputation in Dodge City or Tombstone, but he nonetheless created a reputation and a public presence that was remembered after he left and is actually commemorated today in a place called the Wyatt Earp Room of the Gas Lamp Museum hmm. uh, of Historic San Diego. I didn't now, know that. I, I'm going to have to look that up next time I go to San Diego because yeah. I didn't know there was a gas lamp museum. And what it actually if, contains some of his memorabilia, some of his stuff. That he whatever had. happened to Virgil? Um, I'm not sure. I see. I'm not sure. But Wyatt Earp always associated most vividly and graphically with Tombstone. And still, there's a lot of mining camps in Colorado, Idaho, Nevada, and other western towns and cities, including San Diego, uh, that can legitimately claim that Earp lived and worked there. In fact, in San Diego, Wyatt was respected as being an entrepreneur. You know, he went in there and bought up this property, and like I said, he made a lot of money. But he acquired a small fortune during his relatively brief residence in the city. But his business activity in San Diego kind of contrasts with his more celebrated and controversial law enforcement role in Dodge City. Did, did he and Josephine ever have any children? Uh, I believe they did. I wonder if there's any descendants, I'm sure there are, of some of the Earp brothers, Virgil or Wyatt or whatever. Yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting to try to get them on the program? Right. Now, there's so the brothers, there was Virgil, Morgan, James, Newton, and Warren. Okay, now Morgan was killed, I believe. Is that what I said? Yeah. Yeah, I think he was he shot was the one to that death. Was shot yeah, initially. yeah. Um, Virgil got shot, but survived. Morgan was killed, and um, in fact, uh, they hunted for the culprits. And Wyatt and his gang actually killed several suspects. Yeah. Uh, but then they decided to leave down, leave town. I wonder how we could do some investigatory work, sleuthing, if you will, and try to find if there are any members of the Earp family still either on the West Coast or back in the Midwest. You know, there's got to be with all those brothers and yeah. you know with uh, marriages and kids and stuff but you know some people you know you you can portray Wyatt Earp as a good guy or a hero or maybe a bad guy yeah but uh unfortunately we we have to rely on just whatever we read about, you know, and from people that were around them. One final thought. I've only got 30 seconds left, but I thought that he and Josephine, after they were married, they went to Alaska for a while. They did, and I actually did a story on that. That's what I thought. Quite, quite yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. He went up there uh, and spent, I'm thinking, two or three years up yeah, that's there. That's what I thought. And I believe he had a saloon up there as well. Bingo. Yep. Okay. Yep. That was good. I enjoyed it. But, you know, really, to enhance what you said a couple of months ago, we need to find if there's anybody out there in the audience that knows members of perhaps the family tree, yeah. in this case, the Earp family. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting to have them come on the program? Yeah, because they would have really the more up-to-date information about the family. Absolutely. Yes. I appreciate that.